Motown Rundown. Today is Wednesday, December 7th. It feels like this is the first time in a long time we're, we're recording at a time that actually makes sense. The Lions played Sunday. We're recording on Wednesday. You guys will hear this as soon as Thursday morning. Plenty of time to prep before the Sunday showdown at Ford Field. It sounds like tickets are outrageously expensive for that game. Trent, are you going to this game? You gotta go. Of course, of course I am. It is you the biggest game go. in Ford Field. It's it's the biggest game in Ford Field. The history of Ford Field. <laughs> I was gonna say since at least at least Jim Caldwell's last year. I mean, I mean, yes, you could say like Week Three against the Patriots with Patricia and all that bullshit. But like in hindsight, none of that meant anything. You know, it did at the time, and that I guess this could be the same old song for another. I, I butchered that saying. I want to know what you guys have to say about this because I think this is the best Lions team in Motown Rundown history. Since the inception of the Motown Rundown, this is probably the best Lions team. That's kind of sad. Um, I would because, say because the... hold on, our first year, all three together, they went six and ten, so that was still mm. in the sixteen game format. Yep. The Lions are now, of course, at five and seven. More on that yep. later. Yep, uh, it could be. It's definitely the team that I think has the most promise i would say i mean hey you know and, and i don't want to you know i don't want to blow this out of proportion but um the, this with lions fandom as it is i'm you know i'm in then i'm out snip snap snip snap the old michael scott vasectomy but i just find myself this has been a year where i have not drifted too far away from the boat i will say that like i i think i've been i've been in it game after game, even when the record did not look great. And as I said at the beginning of the year, it, it just feels different, this team. And you'd like the record to be better. And the thing that's super, super frustrating is you look around the league at some of these other teams that are, that are, you know, seven wins, eight, like Washington and the Giants and these teams that seemingly like they grade out to suck. Like the worst the worst team based on pro football focus right now statistically is the New York Giants as far as how they grade out offense, defense, special teams. And they've got, what, seven, eight wins? So it just it, it's such a shame, and it's just so typical Lions that their record isn't reflective of how well they've played. But And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. But, yeah, Trent, I would say that this is probably – I mean, I, I still think that the, they can make the playoffs – now, I heard them on the radio today talking about this team getting to 10 wins, which I I don't even know if it's mathematically possible. No, it is. If they if wins. they win out, they go 10 and 7. If they win well, out, they're not, they're not winning I, 10 games. Well, I want to throw I, I want this is a good chance for me to throw this out there. I just want to put it out there because because we haven't gotten Collins in the mix yet in the early going here. Collins, your eight and nine prediction looks like a lock. Yeah. I mean, what was I my prediction? Does anyone know? Rabs, you went. Oh, you had eight and nine too. Sorry, I thought you Thank went. Thank you. Nine yeah, eight. Thanks a lot. You, you each you. had. You each had eight and nine. Are I you had sure I didn't seven. go seven and ten. No, Collins you had eight and nine. No, you were eight and nine, Collins. I think Trent had them thirteen and four. Ten and right? seven. I had them. I had them <laughs> ten and seven, which it's is still alive. possible. It's alive. It's alive. Live wire. Yeah. I don't know what's it called. I will say this: Bait Ford Field games. No, I think I've honestly think I've been to. Two of the like five biggest Ford Field games the last like fifteen years, the game that they played hardball, the handshake game, I think the Monday night, the first Monday night football game they got back, I arguably think is the best environment in Ford Field history. I think that is the Java best game. I wasn't at that game, but I think because it was like the first night game. I think in Lions 
last like 10 years. Oh, was, was like, that against the Bears? Was that against the Bears? Yes. Yes. On Monday night. Yes. And the it was the best game where he just, like, yes, the hole opened up and he hit the hole and the rest is history. Yeah. I think, I'm trying to think. I went to the Sunday night football game where they lost to the Packers. That was the worst day ever. I, I There's not nothing. Like it, and I've been to a lot of big like Michigan State games and stuff like that. That's kind of a different environment, but it is going to be so loud on Sunday. So I'm, I'm excited. There's nothing better when I'm actually excited for Lions game and not pessimistic. And they probably will bring my joy down after like the the, them blowing a lead and Justin Jefferson making some incredible catch in the back of the end zone to beat us Uh, with like ten seconds, uh. like. I pro- they probably will make me pessimistic, but I am very excited for this Lions game. I'm very, I- I'm very excited. I watched the wins last night for like a full game for the first time. I don't know long because I usually watch the wins in like periods. Like I'll check it up and I'm like, eh, I'll throw it on for the second period. I'm like, uh, I watched the whole game and I was fired up because that's what who so played great last night. I didn't watch the Deltavich just give pizzas in the back of the night. It, it just <laughs> it feels good to be a Detroit sports fan for like the first time in ten years. You know what? The Pistons actually won last night too, and I did watch about, that. That's right. about all the Pistons I got for you. Bojan Bogdanovic hit seven threes. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I good think segue. they've got to trade him, Collins. I think they've got to trade they him. Have no, to trade him. no, I love Bojan. they have to. They have right. to. The extension makes him more attractive to. He's going to get traded to the Lakers. Well, the Lakers are desperate for him. They and the Lakers are back on a roll, by the way. LeBron back like he never left. AD is the best player on that team, but that's not the hero there. Rabs, do you want to just get right into the Red Wings? Yeah, yeah, we can. I mean, you already that was some great Pistons talk for the week, and I was trying to. Sneak we don't need to talk about it. Other than the fact that Cade's not playing the rest of the year, Cade's Cade's not playing the rest of the year, which sucks because it's it's just so sign sealed delivered. It's obvious that they're just tanking, and I hate it. I hate it. You guys well, know how I, against not, tanking I, I, I am. We talked about this. I actually think it's more of a, a serious injury than I thought it was. Did you see what he said? Did you see that video of what he was like? He's talking the to John Morant. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that at all. No, didn't like I, that at all. No, so that sucks. It's it. It look the Pistons for what it's worth. Yes, since we last talked, they've beaten the Grizzlies, and then of course last night they beat the Miami Heat. Does it say a whole lot about their season as a whole? No, because no. Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks are the ones winning them games. Not Dude, you know, Burks is good. I. I, I know, but what I'm saying is what I would like to see, and I think you would agree with me, is Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, those guys winning them games. But it is what it is. Pistons are tanking, and there's not going to be a whole lot of Pistons for the rest of the season, unfortunately. If they make moves at the deadline, of course, we'll have it for you. But the more important team, and yes, I said that, is uh, the, uh, the the Detroit Red Wings in, uh, in LCA. That's that's yes. There's no doubt about that. There's no arguing, Ravs. Beat the Lightning last night. A, a huge, a huge win. And I've talked um, pretty much all year about, you know, look, the, the wings looked good to start the season and to their credit, you know, there have been some games. There's maybe a couple games that come to mind where you look like you had no business being on the ice, but, but all in all, it's a much more competitive team this year. And I talk all the time about the fact that you, you need to show up against teams in your own division and that's really the big test of where this Red Wings team is as far as their rebuild is concerned and the outlook on the future. And last night being on the road, playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, I mean, of course, the the big storyline there, Jeff Blashill's your head coach. Last year, he goes to Tampa Bay to be an assistant. Derek Lalone's an assistant in Tampa Bay last year. He comes over here to be your head coach, and you get a great 4-2 to two win. Now, you were outshot plus 
funny in that game. I think the Tampa Bay had over uh, over 40 shots. I think the wings were held to under 30. I'd have to look that up. But um, but nonetheless, you find a way to to get a win. And that's a team in Tampa Bay that has been dominating the league for the last, I don't know, five to maybe eight is too many. But they're a back-to-back Stanley Cup champ. They, they could have won it three times in a row for sure. Um, and you're on the road and, and you're able to take care of business. And the story is here, as, as I said last week, all we wanted to see this team do was be in the hunt or, or, or be in your top three in your division come Thanksgiving. And they did just that as they sit right now here today, as we're recording, they have 31 points, which is good for third in the division. They're actually tied with Tampa Bay now. And all these other teams in the division between Florida, Florida seems to be the one team that's kind of treading water. I would put Tampa Bay in that in that regard too, because for whatever reason with the lightning, you just you just think that it's at any given moment they can flip the switch and turn it on. And they really haven't been able to do that at all this year. Um, Florida's kind of treading water too, but between Montreal and Buffalo and Ottawa, none of those seem none of those teams seem to be turning the corner anytime soon from the standpoint of um, you know, really making a push to, to be that third team. And right now I would tell you that it's going to come down to Tampa Bay and Detroit as being that third team to come onto the Atlantic. And uh, Boston's probably going to run away with this thing. They have been unbelievable all year and are showing no signs of slowing down. Toronto is Toronto. They always find a way to get right going into the playoffs. Now, how far they go into the playoffs is a, is a completely different story. Um, but the Red Wings are in a good spot. And just based on based on how they played that game last night of, you know, they they obviously Derek Lalone comes from that team. So he knows how to neutralize the Tampa Bay attack. They did a great job of controlling the neutral zone, um, you know, not necessarily the most aggressive on the forecheck, which you don't have to be against Tampa Bay. You slow them up coming through the middle of the ice um, and, and you stop them from from doing what they want to do. And and Collins, you said it earlier, but Billy Huso has made such a world of difference for this team. And it's no discredit to Alex Nadalkovich, but this is Billy Huso's net. I've said it week after week. And when you're playing in front of a guy like that, that can really go out there. And I don't want to say steal you a game, but just, just an unbelievable effort. And and they sneak one in on him late uh, to make it a three, two game. And, and you kind of had that feeling of like, Oh my gosh, the wings seem to do this all the time of blowing these late leads, but you know, the but Tampa Bay gets the extra attacker out. They take a pretty crappy penalty. Pew Suter takes one late um, to make it a six-on-four for Tampa Bay. Um, but but you're able to grind it out. Adam Ernie's empty net goal, by the way, was unbelievable. I don't know if anyone saw that, but just legitimately turning and firing blind all the way down the ice. And, um, you know, depending on, depending on your coaching staff, some coaches love it, and they're all for taking shots at the net from your own end. Some coaches will carve you up for it because if it, if you miss, it's a it's a bona fide icing. So, um, but nonetheless, the team's playing really well. I I think the 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 biggest storylines for me over these last handful of games, Jonathan Bergeron has been unbelievable. He has a great tip in last night. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it might have been the second goal of the game to put him up two nothing, but he plays such a quiet game that you almost don't notice him out there. And it, every play he makes seems to be the right play. He he adds that that little bit of you know he he he's got that little bit of jam in the middle to bottom six um, that I, I just think has been such an asset for this team. And to be to be on the score sheet like he is, I mean he's almost a point per game player in the like I want to say he's probably played 
let's say let's call it 12 to 13 games at this point and i think he's got like 10 ish points i should have that written up nice podcasting but i should have it pulled up i should say but i don't um but but to have that kind of offensive production from from your bottom six and that's really what the league is all about these days and it's not so much of course you always have to have those guys that are willing to mix it up and and you know play with a bit of an edge and those checking line forwards but where where these what separates these good teams from great teams in the NHL is when you have guys on your third and fourth line that can also put the puck in the net and the wings are starting to get some of that and that line with like Valeno and Bergeron and now you have Pew Suter who Pew Suter was your second line center for the that first year he came over was playing on the second line as a centerman now he's playing on your fourth line as a winger and you know maybe there's that conversations twofold of you know, what, what, what does Pew Suter really bring to this team? But I, I, I think the more important thing is just expressing how much depth this team has on a team that doesn't have Robbie Fabry and doesn't have Tyler Bertuzzi right now and hasn't had Elmer Soderblom, who's supposed to come back soon. Um, You don't have Jacob Vrana. So to have a guy like Pew Suter playing on your fourth line, and not that he's been outstanding offensively, um, but, but that, that, third and fourth line it is an offensive threat and you have to respect it Michael Rasmussen gets gets you guys on the board um to start the game last night early in the second period and and talk about a guy that's taken a step that's really carved out a role for himself so um they're, they're just playing with a, a, it's a lot more structured and in a year where you know Lucas Raymond I think went nine games in a row without a goal or, or nine road games in a, in a row without a goal um and and he's you know he I guess it's kind of up and down. I don't want to call it a sophomore slump because, you know, he's been good in, in flashes. You're not really getting a ton out of Mo Sider right now, but you have guys like Philip Ronick step up who is filling up the net and, and dishing assists like nobody's business. And, you know, Oli Mata, who I think may, maybe had a total of like eight points last year. And it feels like he had eight points the first like 10 or 15 games of this season. Like, you know, you're, you're finding some offensive upside from him. So, um, you know, it's it's been it's been fun to watch, and I think fans are starting to take notice. And when you when you win games like you do against Tampa Bay, it's 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 hard to ignore for sure. So it's going to be a battle for these guys. And I I made the comment to to you Trent you and in Collins before um before we started recording. Like I I really feel like this is a team that can win a playoff series. Now, granted, it'd be a lot easier for them if they get that third spot in the Atlantic and are playing, a, you know, playing one of those fringe fringe playoff teams. But, you know, it, it they just like the consistency has been so. It's been such a, a, a pleasant experience this year, I guess, I for lack of a better term, like it's just been it's just been fun to watch. So. I mean, the schedule doesn't get much easier. Um, I, I, I don't think that they're back at Little Caesars Arena for a little bit here. I'd have to go through and and look. Uh, you know, they have the Panthers. The, the biggest test for me tomorrow night against the Panthers, and I think if I'm not mistaken, and this could be – I could be completely wrong. I think this is the first time they see the Panthers this year, I think, and I could be wrong. I'm very, very excited to see how they stack up against them because they play the Panthers on the road tomorrow being Thursday – uh, they get the Panthers back at home on like January 6th. 
So um, that's that's a big test, and, and that's like I said, it's one of those teams that it's going to come down to a Florida and a Detroit and in the Tampa Bay for that third spot. Like those are the three teams that I'm looking at, and I think the Wings are just getting better and better, and they 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 factually have to get healthy. Um, I don't know how close Mark Pissick is to returning. Um, that third pair has been kind of a mishmash between Jordan Osterley and 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 Hag and and Jake Wallman and Gustav Lindstrom's kind of day to day here. So uh, we'll see how they go, how, how they go with that. But it's been, it's been pleasant to watch and, you know, just to, to put an end to the, into the rambling um, it's, it's been good. So Thursday night, big, big test. Um, they go to Dallas on Saturday. Who's one of the better teams in the league right now. They're playing with a lot of, um, with a lot of energy and, and Jason Robertson is slowly becoming um, a, a mainstay in this league as far as superstars are concerned. So um, a couple big way, tests here coming up before they come back to LCA. Sorry What's for up? running out there, but it's very um, funny for how like good of the record the wings are and like where they stand and there's like standings, their goal differentials like only three. <laughs> yeah, I seriously, it's like you look at I mean, Boston's is like they're like plus fifty. And, yeah, and, you know, but the well, wings, I mean they're having a historic year, but it's crazy. Yeah, but but to the wings credit. You know, this is a team that their goal differential has been abysmal for the last handful of years. So to at least be like even, and you got to take into consideration. I mean, you know, there yeah, the one game where um, Huso got pulled, the the one Rangers game got super out of hand. Like they've just had a couple complete lapses where they've just looked bad. But you know, a, a, on a whole, they're 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 in these games. So um, it's been it's been it's been fun to watch. But I don't really have much else for you guys. Um, you know, I think after going into next week, they they do play Carolina back at home. I think on Tuesday the thirteenth. So, um, those are three big games to talk about after we, after we get through that. So, Rams, um, I got a segue for you. I have a segue yes. for you. Segue. And I'm just you can you can answer this honestly with the Lions flirting with the playoffs and the Red Wings flirting with the playoffs. Who's the best team in the city right now, right here on December seventh, two thousand twenty-two? Best team. Oh in the my city. gosh, dude. Huh. Uh, this is a tough. This is a tough question to answer because I think the recency bias in me wants to say Lions because that coming off of such a, a big win against Jacksonville this Sunday, um, I you know what Trent. I would have to say the Wings just just because I I, I don't. I mean, it, it's hard for me to sit here and tell you on it. Like the Wings have or the the Lions have what five wins now? Five and seven. You know, they've played and they've played. You know, tremendously well. They were the one and six. They were one and six. They've won four out of five. Yeah, they've been they've been great. So I think as far as the team, that's I just think that the wings, like is their rosters better on a whole pound for pound. I think they've you know they had a they've been playing good hockey. You know, even when they've they've been out of some games, like they're still they're still competitive. So it's close, and it's nice to talk about a Lions team that. Is you know I don't know if we want to call them good, but they are something, and that something is a team that, um, in in a pick'em in a pick'em game, at home this last weekend against Jacksonville. I mean, talk about four quarters of domination, and I would probably go on record. And I thought that the Washington game, that first half of the Washington game, was the best I've seen the Lions play, perhaps in my entire lifetime. Well, and that's that could the be thing. Then they no they exaggeration. Ended up- they didn't fade in the second half per se, but they they kind of the the foot came off the gas a little bit. I think I know what you're going to say. This is maybe the best. This Jacksonville win is maybe the best the Lions have played in our entire lives. Not yeah, wire kidding. to wire, wire to wire. I mean, you go in, you go into halftime. Uh, I don't know what fourteen plus nine is, but you go into halftime, whatever that is, to six. 
and you finish the game, you know, it's 40 to 14 and, and the the scoring didn't stop. You know, that's, that's the thing that's so pleasant. Like even in the third and fourth quarter, they were still moving the ball. Did they punt it all in that game? They did not punt. And here's the stat Rabs. They had Crazy. the lions had eight possessions. If you do not count the taking a knee on the final possession, eight possessions, eight times they scored. That's the first time that's happened in the NFL in four years. And the Lions now have the most 30-plus point games in the league at six. So, that I mean, that, that'll that work. That'll work. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just – it was almost – and it's, like, funny to say with the Lions, they almost played so – like, they played so well and the game was such an utter domination that there's really not – like, I don't even really have much to say, which is crazy. But, um, you know, I, I think that you can look – from an individual, I mean, the the year that Jamal Williams is like quietly having in in the scope of the league, and granted, he's you know it's not like he's putting up 150 yards every game and and you know having 25 yard touchdown runs, but the the offense has just been clicking. And, and they there were a couple weeks where they weren't they didn't really exist, like they they kind of fell off the face of the earth. But the offense on a whole is just clicking at a completely different level, and it feels like whoever Jared Goff throws the ball to is like they're open and they catch the ball and like DJ Chark kind of has his breakout game that you were, that you were waiting to see. And like Khalif Raymond's got a, got a role in this offense. Amon Ross St. Brown has been incredible. Like just, just like the golden Tate ask, just throw him the ball a million times. He catches it. The great possession receiver. Um, they're, they're starting to get Deandre Swift a little bit more active. I love just Justin Jackson, right? Yes. Yeah. Justin Jackson. Like even when they use him in spots, like he like he's effective. Um, defensively, I mean this this Houston character out of Jackson State has kind of come out of nowhere and has been awesome he to looks watch. Looks good, dude. He looks really good. Like I think he's got two sacks the last two games or two three. or three sacks or something. Three sacks, and you know what? He's second and he's second among rookies behind Hutch and sacks. Yeah, Sorry. which is which is great. So I well, it, I you know, test it's just like I. I can't can remember the Lions ever having like some sort of like a speed rusher. You know what I mean? Just a guy who's quick yeah. off the edge, super bendable. I've never really, and I, and he might not turn out to be one of these guys. I'm just saying. I feel like that's the type of player the Lions have never really had. Yeah, but they're they're just look. They're playing with some moxie now. They have a little bit of confidence here, and um, you know, we can we'll get to the Vikings game later. But even in the secondary, and I, you know, I will Harris look. Tremendous game in the, last week. In the Buffalo game, but, but he, yeah, fair, I guess I'll tell you the guys that I like. I mean, I, and I get these names mixed up because like Jacobs and Hughes and the other guy with the J, isn't there another J guy? Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? A- AJ Parker. Nope. Nope. There's a Jake. Who's number 39. Jerry Jacobs, Jerry Jacobs. Who's 20. What's the other guy's number? 23. 24. Mike Hughes. Yeah, twenty three is Mike Hughes. Yeah, who's who's Chase Lucas? Is he out there yet or no? Uh, no, he's not. He hasn't played much. I don't if at all. I haven't noticed him. Who's the guy that got like hurt last year? Thirty one. Who's thirty one? That's that's Kirby Joseph. He's a rookie. Yes, Kirby Joseph and Jacobs. Those are the two guys I get mixed up because one's thirty nine. Both. Who does the backflips? Kirby Joseph. He is awesome. That's thirty one. Both of those guys have been outstanding in the last couple of weeks. And even like Alex Anzalone, who's like, you know, yes, you know what? I favorite I, player, but gotta I, sing, give him his flowers. Not to completely blow this up, Rabs, but I, I took like a I made a 
2018 circa Motown rundown-esque type recap for this game because we're at the point where the Lions deserve all this credit and stuff. And I have written down here that Alex Anzalone deserves at least an apology from me because I got on here talking about his quote-unquote Goldilocks ass because we are used to seeing the back of his jersey a little more than we're used to seeing the front of it and that he's usually chasing guys. But hey, for whatever reason, and I don't know quite how, but he's been playing very well and he's he's good for like one or two big plays a game, like legitimately at this point. So I didn't mean he's, to interrupt what you were saying, but go ahead, Collins. He's not terrible. I'll say that. Like he is a very av- – like he, as an average to above average players, there will be moments that he is just not physically capable to be making the plays that I want to see out of like an elite middle linebacker. But you're right, Trent. There's mo- He has his moments. He's been good the last like month. Yeah, and he's one of those guys who loves Dan Campbell and then also, you know, because they obviously came from the Saints together. And also, he's one of those guys, to your point, Collins, where, like, when shit kind of hits the fan, he's an easy target because he's always running around chasing people and he's not necessarily making Well, he's terrible in coverage. They haven't had a good coverage linebacker, I don't think, in my lifetime. Yes, and that includes Rodrigo, who is a fan favorite and everyone loves. Maybe Levy? Was Levy the last linebacker who was great in coverage? Levy was pretty good. Levy was awesome. I love DeAndre Levy. Shout out. I have like three jerseys of that guy. But uh, Rabs, I want to give it back to you because I know you were on a roll before the Alex Anzalone comment that I just completely took and blew up. But no, I don't I really don't have much to add. I'd rather kind of turn it over to you guys at this point. But I will say one one more thing. Um, and, And I was just reading something today about, you know, Jared Goff made a comment that he feels like he's playing the best football of his career, which like I I got to give the guy credit because I know that I sit here and I do think that you know, he, he's not the most mobile. He's not the most accurate passer. He doesn't have the biggest arm. But whatever has been going on in this offense, like, it, it's just gotten better and better. Like, I feel like they, they've they found this intermediate passing game. Grant, they don't throw the ball deep very often. I mean, they had a really nice throw to Chark, like one or two nice throws to Chark this last week. But the, the intermediate passing game has been a lot better. And, and just, like, even their short yardage plays – and you got to give credit to the offensive line. Like that that defensive front for for the Jags is no joke. Like their front seven is is pretty solid. But you know, they they can move the ball on the ground, which is great. Uh using two or three backs. Um you know, and like they have those play it, it just been it's been fun. Jared Goff's been good the last the last couple of weeks. And I, as a whole this year, um I think you've gotten the most you could possibly get out of Jared Goff. And as we have this conversation about the quarterback situation, as time goes on, I can probably tell you if you, if you can work on the defensive side of the ball and just make that a little bit better um, through the draft, through free agency, I don't even really know what you have to add offensively. And I do think that they need to address the quarterback situation sooner than later. But Jared Goff's I would, is a guy I would take for, for one more year. If if need be, I don't know what the what. And the you know price what, Rabs, but for you I would for, take him. for you to say that is huge because I I, I agree with you. Big of I me. I agree with you. That is, but you're you. Thank you for being the bigger person. Because yeah. here's the thing, Jared Goff, you're correct, and I think this is a consensus quake here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just they do need to address the quarterback position for the future. They will, but Goff's a guy that, given what you've seen from this offense, especially out in the last five six weeks or so has proven that, yeah, you can win games. And we've known that this whole time, but he's just due for his occasional stinker against 
the Cowboys or the Patriots. But, you know, now, knock on wood, if you're with me here, it's like the last six, seven weeks that hasn't been the case. And he has been making throws downfield. And he has been hitting guys like DJ Chark wide open. And he's been – and you're going to add Jamison Williams to the mix who we haven't talked about yet. So it's like you – have to be looking at next year as like a chance to maybe stash a guy like Hendon Hooker who tore his ACL who's going to be out till November or something like that. Take him in the second round, stash him and roll with golf. And of course we've got months and months to talk about all this. So it's not worth our time now, but the fact of the matter is Rebs, you're right. And Jared Goff deserves credit from all three of us. Collins has been the highest on him of all three of us. And, and I also deserve or not deserve. I owe Jared Goff a, uh, I don't know if apology is the right word, but he, he deserves some flowers. Lines one, four to five, and he, he's looked great. He, point blank, if you give him time, he's solid. That's all. And, and the Lions, they want, the people who deserve flowers, and I was listening to the game on the radio, the first half on the radio, because I was working. Um, the offensive line was purely dominant on Sunday. Dude, it was and awesome. Had a, Jonah they, Jackson has been awesome. Jonah Jackson, I mean, Radnow gets a lot of love. Jonah Jackson is – that was a fantastic draft pick. I yeah. mean, he's been awesome. So, um, I, I I don't know much to say. Taylor Decker has been get, has gotten shit on in the past. He's been great this year. Penny Sewell is such a physical guy, and, it, and, and they're so physical in the run game. Skipper has been a nice rotational piece. And that was like the first time they really were healthy on the line. And you saw what happened when they were truly healthy on that line. That's a weapon. And, and especially when you got have a guy like golf, who's not mobile, but he is super accurate guy. He's not going to put the ball in harm's way. If your defense is competent, you're going to have an opportunity to win most games because this team could run the football. Golf makes good decisions. And, and, the thing is now that's interesting with Jameson Williams back, and they didn't really use him on Sunday. I think Campbell said in his press conference basically, like, we used him kind of how we used Jerry Jacobs this first week. We just want to give him acclimated, not really thrown completely head first. Um, and if he looks as good as everyone says he looks, I would assume he would be thrown in head first this week because you need it. I mean, Shark had a really nice game last week, but. The net, the next element for this offense, if they want to do something that would buck the trend of alliance team, and, and, and somehow get to nine and eight, get to ten and seven, and give themselves an opportunity to make the playoffs, is they include and create a deep threat because Amante Brown is probably the best possession receiver in the NFL right now. I was gonna say that Collins, he doesn't even. It's have not. To do it, that. It's not a hot take. Most of the guys who are really good receivers and, and you could say Justin Jefferson's maybe a procession receiver, but he's more of like a big play. Like he can do it. He's an everything guy. Amon C. Brown's bread and butter is like, I'm going to get 10 yards here. Like I, I like yeah, he, and he doesn't even need to do like the 10 catches for a hundred plus yards. All he has to do is just go be and Rabs. I love that you mentioned golden Tate. Cause that's the comp for, especially for Bolden, like a young Antoine Bolden. If that makes any sense. Let's uh let's let's look ahead to this Sunday now. Um, you know, obviously the, again, like I said, there's not as much as there is a lot to talk about with last week's win. I mean, it was a complete blowout, and somehow the the Lions were on the right side of it. But this is the game coming up. Um, big one circled on the calendar as we talked about in the beginning of the show. Ticket prices have skyrocketed. 
Um, the Detroit Lions will host the division foe, Minnesota Vikings at Ford Field, one o'clock this Sunday. Um, there's there's just this weird, like the Vikings are that one team that I think the consensus around the league is that the these guys are not not anywhere near the 10 wins that they have showed. And I feel like every game they play is, is within, I mean, within one score easily, but within legitimately like less than a handful of points. So, and, and that to kind of segue that in and we won't do the picks right now, but the lions are a two and a half point favorite as we sit right now here on this, uh, on this Wednesday night. And for me, I this is a and I feel like I've said this multiple times this year. This is a huge, huge test for Dan Campbell because this last Vikings game, we all know how it ended with just, you know, some some coaching blunders and probably a game that Dan Campbell would like to have back a game that a lot of fans were were furious with with him based on his coaching decisions and um, a, a, a game that a lot of people probably felt was an SOL type of loss for the Lions. Um, but I I think that the Lions have only gotten better since that game. I don't necessarily know how much better the Vikings have got, but I I would just like to see the Lions. This is not like a moral victory game either. This is a just get the job done, go win the game, and you're going to see one of two Kirk Cousins on Sunday, and to me that's the story of the whole game. You're either going to see the Kirk Cousins that's 15 for 28 with two interceptions, one touchdown, and 215 yards, or he's going to be 30 for 35 with 315 yards and three touchdowns. So I would like to think the energy is going to be hot enough in Ford Field that it can it can get to the Vikings, and this team just really seems to play off the home crowd energy. Um, and, and offensively, I mean, like I don't really – I don't really think the Minnesota defense is anything spectacular, um, especially up front. Like I feel like teams can run the ball pretty sufficiently on them. So um, I don't know. I'll save. I mean, I guess I can save my pick before, in, until we all get a, get our go at this game. But um, this is a game that I, like I, I, it makes no sense that the lions are minus two and a half, but it also makes complete sense to me. So the trends get the something. job done. The, the, the trends yeah. mean something here, Rabs, to your point. It's like the – I'm not sure what their point differential is right now. You want to talk about point differential. It's like the, the Vikings were whatever they were a couple weeks ago going into Thanksgiving, 8-2 and two or 8-1 and one, with a negative point differential. Now, I know they had two huge blowout losses to uh, the Eagles at the beginning of the year, week two on Monday Night Football, and then the Cowboys right before Thanksgiving. But it also definitely says something about the inconsistency of the team – or, you know, just lack of consistency, I guess. And it's just like the Lions, on the other hand, in the last five weeks, listen, for the season, the Lions have the number one red zone offense. Would you believe that? They have a top three offensive line in terms of not giving up sacks. I think they're third or, or last, third to last, however you want to look at it, and sacks allowed. And it, that that's where this game's going to be won. Everyone can always go to the trenches when it's a game like this. It's a divisional game. It's a game where both teams need the win, of course, to keep things rolling. Because the Vikings, I, I don't want to get too much into the division stuff because you know I think that's kind of out of uh, out of reach to, uh, a little bit to say the Lions can still win the division. But the Vikings, if they beat the Lions, I mean, it, they they seal the deal for the NFC North. So this is a big game for both teams. 
And I, I guess anytime that it's a big game for both teams and you're coming in, you're playing meaning, meaningful football in December, you, you, you have to talk about the trenches. And that's where I think the Lions can really win this game. So that's the big thing for me to watch. Also, Jeff Okuda on Justin Jefferson. Last time they played, Jefferson didn't really do much of anything. And like Colin said, Justin Jefferson is one of the best big play receivers, game breakers in the entire league. I think he's the best player in NFL right now. And and he and you not know what, Colin said, that's, that's not a bad fantastic. take at all. And that's not a bad take at all. So I look at Jeff Okuda, I look at him, you know, a guy who just gave up two catches for nine yards against the Jaguars, an exceptional performance. This is just a game where, like Rab said, it's a test for Dan Campbell. It's a test for these other young guns, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby Joseph, these guys that have made plays for you all year. It's time to really step up and make some plays at home. That's what this game's about for me. Um, Honestly, it, it, I think the question about Dan Campbell is, like, can you win a close game? Like a close, important game, and I, I, I think this game's going to be tight. So we'll see because his, some of his coaching decisions have been an absolute joke. So, um, controversial it, to say the least. Yes. No, in close games. Yeah. So yeah, sure, we're gonna see. I, I think this game's going to be tight. I don't think the. I mean, the Vikings don't really blow teams out, and. and and then this Lions team, on a talent standpoint, offensively prevents this secondary a lot of problems, like a ton of problems. So I'm very interested to see what the decision-making is in close games, whether they want to take the points or if they want to be even more aggressive on the offensive end of the field. So I I think it's another test for Campbell because you want to talk about, oh, Dritt, we're changing the culture and all this stuff. You got to – you gotta prove it. Like killing a team, an inferior opponent at home, doesn't necessarily like this team has talent, and he's done a really good job making the guys believe in him. But at the end of the day, that's not enough if you want to win at a high level. And I, I, I'm hoping to see something this week where you can look in the future and say, because it's maybe not this year, but we can look to the future and be like, hey, this team is on the right trajectory and they got the right guy at the helm. So I'm interested. That's that's the last thing I want to hit on real quick before we do the picks. Cause Collins, I think you just hit the nail on the head on something that a lot of people seem to be rolling their eyes at at this point. It's always next year with the lions. It's always, they're so close, but it, it's fucking different right now, man. I promise you it is different. It's not. Right now. I, it, it would be different if they win this week. It's and different I, if they okay. win this week. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, I guess. Because, yes, when you dig yourself a one and six hole, it, it is a little difficult to, to make the push. Now, the Lions have laid the groundwork to make the push, but the push would officially start this Sunday if they're able to beat the Vikings, get back to one game under 500 for the first time since week three, that first Vikings loss, and then let's see what you got. Because then, absolutely, Collins, you're exactly right. Whether they, you know, finish the season with six, seven, or eight wins, it's like then you can really look at it like, yes, they beat a divisional opponent at home in December in a tight game when it really mattered. And the Vikings went on to win the division that year, but the Lions played them close. And the following year, the Lions made the leap. So that's all I'm saying. I just think, like, we're so used to hearing next year or they're so close. But this is a situation where in Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes' second year, it actually rings true. So, I don't know. Huge game here, Ravs. Huge game. Huge game indeed. Um, let's get to the picks. I uh, will check the leaderboard real quick. 
Um, I did want to mention. By the way, too, side note, I hate to distract you. I'm watching like this NFL presents on Jim Irsay, and this might be like one of the funniest things I've ever watched in my entire life. But continue. I'm sorry. I think I'm I've seen that, Collins. I watched that a couple weeks ago. It's pretty good. It's for Paul. <laughs> um, mortal lot and not mortal locks. The picks. I'm all frazzled, dazzled. Um, Ryan Collins, you are twelve and ten. Trent, you are thirteen and nine. I am also thirteen and nine on the picks. Um, I will start. The line is minus two and a half in favor of the Lions. The over under is fifty one and a half. I will go under, and I'm going to take the Lions. Um, this to me, from just a betting standpoint. The Vikings have 10 wins. They've already beat the Lions this year, and they are the underdog in this game. It makes no sense, which is why you got to take the Lions here. You just have to. It's just you, right, wrong, or indifferent. The Lions are the play. So I will take the Lions minus 2.5, and, and I will take the under 51.5. Someone else go. Uh, Lions and under. And this will be a dried-out tight game. Um, I... Like you said, Rabs, the line has made a ton of sense. I also just think the Vikings are not that good. They've won a lot of tight, weird ball games. I, I, this feels like a game Cousin throws you a couple picks, and I'm not. I actually think the Vikings are probably gonna make the NFC Championship game. I, I, I just, I think they're gonna eventually do that this year. Um, not a ten and two team. They should probably be about like eight and four. And I feel like yep. they come back to earth a little bit, lose this week. I mean, they don't have they don't need any of these games down the stretch. Lions need this game. Like this is there if the Lions lose this game, there's no shot they're going to the playoffs. Like zero. So um this is kind mm-hmm. of like a last stand for the Lions, and I think the Lions did it done. All right. So we keep saying the line doesn't make sense because for practical reasons I actually do think it made sense. Well, I'm gonna be honest. And I do too, and here's why here, here's why. Because I think that the defense has had its uh, this Lions defense, while not great, has been Ben don't break all year. It's been very young all year. This defense has won the Lions a couple games, damn it. They won the Packers game. They won that Bears game, making Justin Fields throw the game, throw the ball at the end of the game. I think this is your game where it's tied late in the fourth. And Jared Goff and DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe a couple plays of Jamison Williams, whatever you want. I just gave you five names. They're going to dink and dunk down the field, whatever they got to do. And Michael Badgley is going to kick you a game-winning field goal in this game. The Lions are going to cover this line. by it's, it's two and a half as we sit here on Thursday. It might move, whatever. But I'll take the Lions to cover. And I think it's going to go over because, yes, this defense is young. I just talked about it. I don't think they're going to play particularly great um, given, you know, how the Vikings are able to run the ball and their big players in terms of Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson coming back, of course. But then it's like – I. The Vikings defense can't stop anyone either. So I just – I like this game to be high scoring, and I like the Lions to win it late with a walk-off field – maybe not a walk-off field goal, but a late field goal. Lions win by three and cover that line. Lions and over. All right. Uh, mortal lock time. Let's catch up. I did I, – Collins, I don't know if you were on here when we mentioned this, but we each gave our three futures to start the year. I had Michigan State over seven and a half wins, didn't come close. Um, you had that little weird, like you gave Ole Miss under eight, but you took over eight on accident, and they got eight exactly. So good push for you on that one. At least I got the push. I had them under eight. I don't. No I don't. Back. I'm gonna be honest, dude. I think I had mine was seven and a half. Oh, was it? But I, think I, I don't I, think I, took I won at eight. It. I took him at eight. I had you at eight on here. Then you're right. Then you're right. Um, I don't think I, I got my money back on that. I think I lost that. <laughs> I, 
I got mine back, but uh, and then Trent, we're still waiting on yours, Georgia to win the national title this year, which is still looking solid. So, uh, as far as mortal locks are concerned, Ryan Collins has led the pack all year at nine and four. Trent, you are six and seven. I am creeping up behind at five and eight. Um, I will By start. The way, my... I should have covered last week. The fact that Michigan and yeah, Purdue, dude, the fact that Purdue did not cover that game was fucking bullshit. I had the I had the first half nine and a half. It was genius. I just piggybacked on you. I was like, all right, I'll just take the first half. It made no. I don't. I had no clue why Michigan was running plays. And then after Michigan scored a touchdown, Purdue just decided not to try and score after they got to like the fifth. <sighs> I'll, I'll start my mortal lock, and this could be just I. There's some people that I already know are gonna text me and be pissed off at me because of how bad of a gambler I am. And I might just mush this whole game. Lions, um, Lions minus two and a half is my mortal lock. Let's go, Rams. I was, I had it written down. I have a backup in case someone took that and you took it. You're making me. <laughs> you, I, I have my backup. I'll give my backup. That's fucking awesome. I, I, I'm speechless. Rams, Rabo <laughs> Riders, Lions minus two and a half, mortal lock. The spread, it, not even money line. The spread. The spread. And Trent, can I ask you a question before we get going? Of course. Do you uh do you have anyone that's going to the game with you on Sunday? I'll have my people get back to your people on that, oh, but uh damn it. All right. No, it's, no, it's, no, no. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk. All right. If it's available, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a sharpie. Rams is trying to fish for tickets. Class. Well, no, what I feel bad because Trent Trent texted me early last week about the Jags game. And I like really couldn't give him an answer at the beginning of the week. And then we rehad the conversation. I was like, you know, dude, like I'd love to come down there, but the drive to get down and like it's early and then, you know, the food's expensive and you just got to sit in traffic on the way home. But if the ticket's available, Trent, I would love to I would love to be there with you on on Sunday because I got a good feeling about it. But there's, if not, it's no there's big a deal. Good, no, there's a good chance it will be. I got to talk to my family. We're still juggling. Well, if dude, if it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal because I'll have just as much fun sitting on my couch watching it. But Collins, do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> Tate Rams is ticket. Um, what's it called? I I'm gonna take the Ravens plus two and a half. Um, I don't know if Lamar's gonna play this week. It just feels like a gritty game. The Ravens win. The Steelers defense has improved since Watts gone back. I don't love betting on the NFL. I usually get crushed when I do. Um, but college football is over. That's my usually my sweet spot betting. Um. And I got some like bowl season, keep a lockout because that's usually my best time of year for gambling because <laughs> it is all emotions when bowl season is literally all emotion betting. Like if you understand any like the storylines, that's what factors in. Um, Yeah, but I, I like the Ravens. Even if Huntley starts, I just think they get it done. Finish right. your layups, Hogarth. I, I got to go get, I got to get that game on. So let me, yeah, Michigan yeah. State basketball is. I mean, Michigan State football was bad, but Michigan State basketball not making a tournament this year would probably well, hey, cap well, off one of the worst Michigan State like sports years you could have. We're a ways away from that, but yes, I agree. Um, I, I will say this. I had Lions minus two and a half on the sheet in case no one else did their due diligence and locked up. It's like when you leave the office at night. Someone's got to lock up. Rab's <laughs> locked up for me. Thank you, Rab. Yep, yep. The other line I'm looking at. And as a rule, I usually don't go above anything that's eight, but I love the Kansas City Chiefs minus nine and a half against the Denver Broncos. Look, 
the Broncos, someone would have to look this up. If we were like a high budget show, we'd have researchers and shit and someone could look this up for me. I don't think it's ever happened before where this late in the season, a team is number one in defense, scoring defense and number 32 in scoring offense. It's unbelievable. The Broncos are averaging 14 points a game. 14 points a game the Broncos are averaging, and they're playing the Chiefs. Do I think the Chiefs can win by 10 and score 24 points? Uh, Yeah, I do. So give me the Chiefs, minus 9.5. That's my lock. for. I don't care that it's in Denver. I don't care that it's in Mile High, and it's a little tough to play at times. Patrick Mahomes, especially coming off a loss. That's the other thing. I think Vegas is overreacting a little bit to the Chiefs' loss against uh, Cincy. So that that is my lock, Chiefs minus 9.5 against Russell Wilson and Broncos country. Let's ride. All right, guys, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. Great show um, for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Uh, Don't miss a single episode of the show. We're here pretty much every week. We're exclusively on Spotify right now. You can follow us so you don't miss a single episode. Give us five stars if you like the show. If not, if you don't have anything anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Just just move on. That's totally fine. Uh, Join the conversation on Twitter. We are at Motown underscore rundown. And then on Facebook, we are at the Motown Rundown page. Thank you guys for listening. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.